You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We are back, that's right, after a week off. The boys are back in town, uh, coming to you as always. Your host Brett Connors here with my co-host Jimmy Connors. How was your trip? Let us know. Catch us up. We uh, weren't here last week. We put out an episode with uh, one of our favorite flashbacks with Jeannie Bus, longtime friend of the pod and family. So tell me, what do you think? Did everyone like it out there? Traveling, I was uh, down in Florida. Played a played in a golf tournament uh, with my friend David Schneider, who we've been buddies since we've been kids, and uh, got to. Got to see your sister Obs and, and Casey and uh, have a dinner or two with them and uh, yeah was uh, was busy and and uh, and had a good trip but looking back it's always good to come home and 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 to get home but I missed being with you last week and uh, off we go now so I know there's been a lot of a lot of things happening around the world so let's get into it. All right, quickly, just let us know how'd you do in the golf tournament and did you happen to run into any other friends of the podcast while you were down there? Yeah, I, well, the golf tournament was pretty tough. Uh, they they uh, they they put us in into the A A A A plus flight uh, against a lot of uh, the young guys who just uh, blistered the ball. Brad, they were mm-hmm. in the ball three twenty and and uh, you know really good golfers and and uh, you know that that's out of my league. Uh, I, I'm a I'm a short hitter. I find the fairway, but I, I never hit more four medals into par fours in my life and. Uh, but it, it, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, I was in a, a group with, with some good friends. I played with my friend David Schneider, uh, with uh, the past president, 45, Donald Trump. I was in his group. But uh, the, it, it was some amazing golf. The, the course was in great shape. Uh, but I also got around a little bit, too. I got to, off the golf course and, and uh, moved around. And, and I saw uh, our, our number one podcast when we started uh oh wow what was that four years ago now well, over three years ago yep over three years ago uh, uh mike tyson uh ran into oh, nice. to him and and i got to uh uh spend a little time with him because i saw his daughter milan hit some tennis balls which was fun and uh but i was a spectator on that and uh, okay but it was uh, but it was a good day and and uh, the sun was shining and and yeah, I, I have full days when I'm in Florida, just as I do here when I'm at home in Santa Barbara. And, you know, I'm up, I'm going and, and uh, I'm on the golf course. I get around the tennis and, you know, have dinner with some friends. And uh, it was uh, it was a good week. But uh, as always, it was good to get home, too. We are a bicoastal podcast. Sometimes we record with you down here. Sometimes you're just down there. You're all over the place. That's cool that you ran into the champ. We got to get him back on for his second appearance. I think we could uh, talk to him for. For hours, he's one of my favorite people. But uh, glad to have you back. Uh, the world is a busy place, so I just wanted to n- don't want to spend too much time in tennis this week. But last week, just want to go over some of the winners who won some tournaments. See your take. Our boy uh, Yannick Sinner picked up, I think, his seventh title. That was cool. He defeated the American mm-hmm. uh, serve and volley specialist Maxime Cressy, which I kind of want to get your quick take on too. Uh, Belinda Bencic picked up a big win, her second title of the year. Sebastian Baez, Potapova, 
uh, got got trophies, and uh, one other person, Yi Bing Wu, the Chinese star, I think first mm. Chinese player, a male, to win a title, uh, won Dallas, beating some pretty big names along the way, Fritz in the semis, coming from a set down, uh, Isner in the finals in a three-setter. You could have made a lot of money betting Wu if you had been uh, riding him and live betting him along the way. So t- give me your take on some of that, Sinner and, and Wu give me, and Cressy. What, what, are your, what are your thoughts on them? Well, I, I think, you know, we, we talked about Sinner uh, how long now? Uh, two or three, uh, since the beginning of, the, of our podcast that, uh, that he has the talent and he has the, the opportunity to really be one of the good young guys to, to start stepping up and, and, uh, and, and taking his place. Uh, seven titles. That's not bad. He's, he's on a good run and, and, you know, but he can't be satisfied with that. And I don't think he is. And, you know, the, the way he plays and, uh, and his attitude uh, to go out, but, you know, I, before we get into that, how many tournaments were there this past week? Oh my God. You, you know, the, 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 the three or four, four or five. Yeah. I think uh, three and, men's and two women. There's always, yeah, there's but, always more tournaments. Yeah. Always more tournaments, but it, but it's leading up to, the one thousands, the the Palm Springs and the Miami, and and then going to to Europe on the clay for Monte Carlo and Rome and tournaments like that. So you know the the guys are getting uh, some good match play now. They of course they want to win every time they walk out there. They want to win every tournament. But but we got some good young names coming up. And and Wu, he is he he must be the first Chinese player to to win a. a an ATP event, right? Yeah, for an ATP event, yeah, for sure. He's uh he yeah, he's got a good game. I mean, he's like six foot, so he's you know, he's not super tall, but he's he's moves really well. And he's just he's like fun to watch. He was uh you know, plays a little exciting and it's a new player out of nowhere, kinda. Um uh, interesting because he's twenty two and he's kind of breaking on the scene, winning his first title. Sinner twenty one, already been around a while, gets his seventh right. title, you know, a year younger. Right. So I kinda like that that, you know, the difference, you know, there's some guys who come up who are known from a long time. Hey, this guy's going to be one of the next generation guys. And then, you know, guys like Wu who have to, you know, they play, they have some success in the juniors and, and then, you know, mm-hmm. he kind of has to grind and goes challengers and stuff like that. And then, and breaks through, uh, winning a yeah, good tournament he, in Dallas. He's, he's worked his way into it. He's Definitely. worked his way and, and he's got experience now also be, he is a little bit older. Uh, as you said, center has been there for, you know, three or four years already and he's got seven titles to prove it. But, uh, Wu has uh, worked his way into it. He's got experience and, and, you know, he's learned along the way and at 22 and that's not too late. Mm-mm. He's still, he's still got a lot of years ahead of him, but you know, it's interesting, uh, you know, to, you know, to see, you know, the, the diversity of the young players that are coming in now from all over, mm-hmm. you know, it's just not the U S or just not Spain or just not Switzerland or Australia. It's, you know, they're coming from everywhere. And, you know, with, with China having one point, two or three billion people, you know, to, to get tennis to become popular over there. And it will, if he's, if he wins, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it just become more popular, you know, every day. So that's just going to draw more kids into the game and, and then, wow, more international players, which, uh, you know, which is uh, to me is good for tennis. Definitely. And then, you know, I'm kind of a, I'm a, I'm a pretty big fan of Lee Na who, uh, you know, the, the great yes, Chinese uh, two-time Grand Slam champion and, and winner of many events. And she had a great personality and she was the first woman to kind of break through and, and win some big, big events on the tour for, for the Chinese women. And you've seen what, her, what that effect has had. I mean, there's a lot of good young Chinese players that have come up the last few years that are consistent and every week are knocking off, you know, top 10 players and, and they're in the top 30 or whatever, whatever it is. So the more well, she she might she might have been Wu's uh, uh, right Wu attraction might, also right you, you know he True. he saw that uh, saw her and and the success she had and the way she went about it and what it takes to to become a champion to win Grand Slams and you know in, in all tournaments in general uh, and he learned well Hope, hopefully and you know, I, I keep going back to this I you know I, I can't stop saying it you know he's he's won his first tournament keep it going mm-hmm. you know don't sit don't sit back and and think that your job is done. Keep it going now. You and, and get on a roll and and to prove your 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 worth to the game and, and to yourself and the way you play, uh, and and have pride in that and 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 keep it going. And uh, uh, you know he's he's got a lot to play for, as all these young kids do. I mean, it's a uh, it's it's a lifetime uh, living your legacy. You know, once you stop, mm-hmm. uh, you know. So 
you know, put everything you have into it and, and, and get the most out of it and enjoy it and love it. And, and, and uh, so that when you stop, you don't have any what ifs. Right. You know, you, now what if I trained harder? What if, I, if I'd have played more? What if I'd have traveled here? Do it all now because you're young enough to do it because there's one day, you know, and, and, and everybody gets older. There's one day you can't. And then you look back and you go, "Uh oh, it's over. <laughs> what? <laughs> that went fast. You know, this time went by so fast. Where'd it go? Yeah. You know, and then, you know, so do it all now. Yep. Definitely do it all. You regret the things you don't do more than the things you do, I feel like, later in life. But uh, one more thing on tennis here. Uh, Maxime Cressy. Kind of, uh, we've never talked about him here. We've just mentioned him a couple times. But big, tall, serving, old school American tennis player. Talk to me a little oh, bit boy. about that. He serves in volleys all the time. Like if you pass him three times in a row, guess what? Like he's coming on that fourth time. And uh, he's a big serve. Doesn't mess around with the second serve. Pretty much most of the time just fires in two pretty big, you know, two first serves or two 90% serves or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just want to know your take. I think when he came on, people thought he had a little success on, on some grass court tournaments and maybe people thought, oh, you know, maybe... That only works on that on the faster surfaces, but he keeps loyal to his style. And we've said it before, like we see players on tour when they come to net, they get passed a couple times and their ego might take a hit and they give up on the tactic. But what do you think about seeing a, a young American too playing an old school t- style of tennis and having success getting to a final losing to center? Yes. Yeah, I love it. I, I, I love seeing that. And, you know, especially in today's times where you know, most, most of the court surfaces are all the same. You know, the clay, the hard, U.S. Open, the French, Australia, Wimbledon, all, all the courts, they kind of bounce the same and the ball's a little bit heavier. So, you know, kind of, uh, you know, even though they stand, they stand back and they pound the ground strokes, you know, it's not like, you know, the ball's shooting through the court. You know, it gives, it gives the opponent a, an opportunity to get to it. And, and for him to serve in volley, you know, we've talked about this, Brett that the next great champion, and there's a lot of them out there. Don't, don't, uh, uh, don't think that I don't notice how great these guys are, but it's going to be a hybrid. Mm-hmm. And the hybrid is the, the modern game, which is the power game with the rackets and the string and, and everything that goes along with it, but also with an old school attitude that allows you to, you know, serve and volley, to get to the net, to hit a big ground stroke and sneak in, you know, and take the ball out of the air. And, and not just play, you know, four or five or six feet or 10 feet behind the baseline, you know, that the variety uh, uh, spins, angles, you know, using the length of the court, you know, using the whole court. And uh, I, I don't know, I, that, that's just the way that I see it, because uh, at the beginning, you know, when I first started, there was a, a variety of games, you know, uh, serve and volley or you stayed back and you sneak in the Pancho Segura style, which he taught me. Chip and, and charge. The Pancho Gonzalez. Mm-hmm. Pardon? Like chip and charge. There's all kinds of, yeah, know. chip and charge. And, and, uh, you know, use using the whole court with angles out the side and, and hitting the ball deep and sneaking in and, and, and noticing that when your opponent is late and, and the, his racket angle changes that, you know, the ball's going to float a little higher. So it's okay to move in, you know, so, you know, just, uh, you know, we've talked about that. And, and if, uh, uh, if, if that's the next champion, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how that changes the game and, and what that does to the court surfaces and, and the, you know, the rackets and the balls and, you know, and, and everything. So yeah. uh, I'm, I'm interested to, to watch him play more now and, and to see if he sticks with that and how he improves on it to, to make himself better. Going to be fun to watch. Yeah. I mean, I think he's sticking with it. I mean, that's, uh, that's his style. I don't think it's something he's, he tries or whatever. That's, that's the way he's playing. And, and, you had to deal with it. You know, the opponent um, ranked 40 in the world. I think I'm guessing that might be an all time high after making the finals in Montpellier. Listen to this Bellier in the first round, whatever. But then he meets Emil Roussevori, 53 in the world, born a Chorich, Cincinnati mm-hmm. champion, 23 in the world. And here's what I like. Our guy, we like Holger Runa, beats him in a tough mm-hmm. three setter, seven, six in the third in the semis. Well, but yeah. that also, he had lost to him in Australian straights. So he loses to him in straights in Australia. Boom. The next time he sees him, takes him out in a tough three-setter. You know, mm-hmm. loses to center, but puts up a fight, you know, 7-6, six, 6-3. Six, um, I think he's 
you know, going to be dangerous anytime there's fast courts, anytime you're on indoor courts, you know, you got to deal with somebody who's bombing serves and he's coming and you're not used to playing that kind of style. You know, people are going to have to adjust specifically for him because there's no one else who does it. So, you know, you're playing, you're mostly playing ground stroke grinders or whatever before you play them. And then all of a sudden you have to switch your game up to a serve and volleyer. And if you're happy, lucky enough to get through, then you got to switch it up back to the old other style. Right, but you know what that shows me though? Uh, he lost in straight sets to to, uh, to Runa in in Australia, but he learned. Right. You know he 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 came out and 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 beat him in a tough three setter, but 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 he he must he had to learn something. You know, going down, you you learn more from your losses than you do your wins. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, sometimes, and and when you, you listen, I I got ham- We all get hammered somewhere along the line, and you know three sets you know, whatever, two straight sets. But if you come off and you say, you know, if I'd have done this or if I'd have done that, I've got to improve on this and I'm going to work harder on that. And, and all that does is continue the drive, but you got to have discipline for that. Mm-hmm. You, 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 you can't be, uh, you know, worrying about, you know, somebody's feelings or whatever. You got to have discipline to go out and to continue that work ethic so that so that you're ready every time. And that goes to show me that whoever's around him, or maybe it's just him, the way he caught on and, and was able to, you know, to turn that around and, and to learn what it takes to to go out and win matches like that. Pretty yeah. impressive. Definitely impressive. I think also it's refreshing. Like it might just be like his strengths. He's a tall guy. I mean, maybe he's, you know, he's always had a big serve. Maybe his ground strokes aren't as aren't a big thing, but his volleys are good. You know what I mean? Sometimes I think a lot of players try and fit themselves into the mold that they think everyone else is or the player that they yeah. think they should be instead of maybe like tailoring who they are and the player they become into their strengths and maybe away from, you, away from some of their weaknesses. You got to play what brought you there. You got to play the game they brought you there. And, and that uh, a lot of people tried to, to change my game over the course of the year. You got uh, the course of my career. You got to uh, serve bigger. You got to, you know, I, I'm sorry. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not six foot four. I'm not going to be, you know, I'm not going to have a bomb serve. You know, I had, so I had to figure out a way, you know, to, to fit my game and to fit my, my, my style and, and, and my build, you know, and, and maybe that's, that's what he's done. You know, mm-hmm. he, he is, he understands what he's good at. And, and like I said, you gotta, you gotta go, go and play the matches. What brought you there from the very beginning. And, and if, if, if you, get that down and, and master that you never do, but you try to, you try to master that. And then every little bit that you can toss in there to make you better and improve you is, is, is only going to take you to the next level. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, you, you got to look at, at him and say, Christ, where, where's that game been? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because it's been a while since, you know, serving volleyers were, were you know, were really, you know, a part of the tour and, and to, to have uh, one come in now and it, it's all of a sudden, you know, wow, what's next? Yeah. You know, what, what's going to come next? So it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting uh, time now with uh, these, these new young up and coming players and the way they play to see how they fit in with the modern game, the way it's played now, or if they, if they're not afraid to mix in past, present and future yeah. of, of, of the game. Yeah, he's uh, 25 years old, so he's you know, quote unquote, late bloomer. He's six foot seven, so you know, not not everybody is uh, Daniel Medvedev who can grind you down at six six from the back of the court. So I think you know, this is his game. These are his strength. I like watching him play. It's it's going to be fun. I was talking to our guy Leif Shiris, good friend of the podcast. I know uh-huh. he listens sometimes, uh, and he we were talking about Cressy, and you know, he he was like, it's refreshing to see, you know to watch the serve and volley right. and, and, you know, cause you get so used to just one style and then like, it's been this one style for so long that you, you said it, you almost forget. Like I was doing a match today and, and the commentator was like, Oh, serve and volley on second serve, you know, it was like, Oh my gosh, you know, like it's out of control. You know, you never right. see it. <laughs> yeah. So he's one of those yeah, guys. But you forget. Yeah. You get, you, especially if they're, if they're young commentators, you know, and, and they haven't been around for, you know, for 15 or 20 years. You know, they just, they just started. They, they don't know, you know, what the game was like either, mm-hmm. you know, so, you know, to, you know, to have somebody, uh, you know, new commentators that are coming out and saying, well, serving volley and you got a young guy doing it, you know, all that's going to do is, 
is create more interest. And, and, and these young guys coming up are going to say, God, how about that? That's, that's different than maybe I'll try that too, you know, and, and incorporate that in, into a, uh, into the game that they have could only make them better. I don't know. Yep. I guess I, I always thought it was better to try to have two or three styles or, or two or two or three gears that you could go to, because if one doesn't work, you can always, you know, figure out something else. So you somewhere to go. Yeah. Somewhere to go. Yep. Right. So he's 40 in the world. Interesting that the American men have about nine or 10 men in the top 50. So like, you know, for years ago, we've been taught for years, it's been, you know, the American women are more loaded. They're more balanced. We have more, you know, players in Grand Slam success with Serena, Venus, Keys, Sloan, uh, Kennan, you know, all this stuff. And like now, like this, we've kind of, the American men have come taken this next step to where, okay, we have a bunch of guys, like, you know, 20% of the top 50 is American men or right. something like that, or 10, you know, whatever it is. And, uh, you know, so now we want to see the next step, like Grand Slam or a final, or, you know, starting to, to get some of those, some of those bigger results. So Cressy's one of the guys we will look out for in the future. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your pet's a member of the family. Don't feed them like they're in the doghouse. Give them Nom Nom. Nom Nom delivers fresh food with every portion personalized to your dog's needs so you can bring out their best. Nom Nom's made with real whole food you can see and recognize without any additives or fillers that contribute to bloating and low energy. They've already delivered over 40 million meals to good dogs like yours, inspiring millions of clean bowls and tail wags. Our mascot for the show is my golden doodle, Isabella. I love her so much that I feed her nom nom because I know it's the healthiest stuff out there and gives her the most energy so she can be an active pup. Plus, it comes with a money back guarantee. If your dog's tail isn't wagging within 30 days, nom nom will refund your first order. Go right now for 50% off your no risk two week trial at trynom.com slash Connors. That's T-R-Y-N-O-M dot com slash Connors for 50% off. Let's move on. There was a pretty big football game that happened Sunday, the Super Bowl. Big weekend all together out in uh, Scottsdale, Phoenix, Arizona. My old stomping grounds used to live out there for a couple years with the Waste Management Golf Tournament at TPC Scottsdale, which we have played quite a few number of times over the years. And yes, uh, the Super Bowl with the Chiefs and Eagles with a great, pretty, a pretty great game with a ending that kind of maybe uh, spoiled the taste in everyone's mouth. But I just wanted to get your take. Uh, Scotty Scheffler winning waste management by a few strokes and the Chiefs winning their second title in four years. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, could you imagine hanging out in uh, Phoenix and Scottsdale with that, uh, with the amount of people that were there to see the Super Bowl and the golf? Oh, my God. That, <laughs> it was probably a zoo. It had to be, yeah, but it had to be exciting, though, because, yeah. uh, you know, uh, golfers going to see the football game, uh, football fans coming to see the golf. What a what a crazy time to be there, which would have been fun. But, yeah, the the the, the football game, I, I, I saw some of it. I didn't see all of it. It was uh, it was date night with your mom. And, and uh, so uh, we uh, I watched uh, the, the first quarter and then we went out and. Uh, uh, and, and had a, a quick bite to eat and came back. And I did see, you know, the last, uh, you know, eight minutes or so, but, uh, you know, the, you know, we, we talked about it, bud, that, uh, uh, you know, 50 points. Oh man, that, you know, well, maybe the under looks good. Right. Whoops. And, uh, and then <laughs> yeah, whoops, because <laughs> I, I got the text from you that said, well, I guess that blows the, uh, the over and under out of the water, <laughs> you know, you pretty know, early so. in the game. Right. Yeah. And, and, uh, but, but see uh, that, that to me, I, I, I like that, that kind of game because it, you know, it shows everything, you know, it shows, you know, good plays and, and, uh, you know, guys, you know, doing something different and good defense at times, good, right. better offense at times. So it kind of incorporated everything, you know, to the point of, you know, 38, 35 in the Super Bowl is exciting, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and, you know, and then, uh, you know, Philly coming back and, and scoring at the end and, 
and, and going for two and making it to tie the score. And now all of a sudden, you know, now they're, you know, it's coming down to it. So, wow. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the kind of game you know, that makes you say, okay, let's get, let's get to football season next year already. Let's go. Right. Uh, and, and so, but uh, you know, Kansas city, I, I still like the story of, is it the, uh, Hertz? the Kelsey brothers? Oh, the Kelsey brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For yeah. sure. The, the Kelsey brothers, uh, you know, playing against each other and, and uh, you know, having such a great game and, and uh, uh, both of them and, uh, you know, either one of them yeah. could have won. Kelsey it, caught, it, caught it, a touchdown. It, yep. You know, so, you know, the, the the excitement there was good. There's a lot of a lot of good action. And uh, yeah, but, you know, for me, you know, to, to turn on a game like that. What do you think of the to, call at the end? I mean, yeah, like, it, to be it, honest, it, it, up until up until that call, it might have been one of the better Super Bowls ever. I mean, it's back and forth. And you, you said it, there was a defensive touchdown. There's long bombs. There was a really big punt return. And and then there was, you know, everybody saw it. There was the the holding call that kind of essentially ended the game. I was watching it with Melina and she's like, like I, she could see that I was like so bummed. She's like, why are you bummed out? And I had the Chiefs. I bet on them at halftime on the live line, thinking they might come back, uh-huh. you know. But still, I was like, well, that kind of ends the game. More like it was setting up for, like, they probably kick a field goal or if they try to go for it on fourth down, then, you know, all powers to them. But now, like, they can just milk the clock, blah, 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 you know. So what did right. you think about that? Like, the AFC Championship game, the refereeing was a lot of the talk after the game, and now the Super Bowl. It's just kind of a bummer because it robs you of that, of the players kind of, like, determining who wins. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I always thought that, you know, and it, it happens in all sports that, that I guess whenever whenever there's uh, human beings involved, there's always going to be mistakes because nobody's perfect. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, but but I guess some sometimes, uh, you know, you got to remember who the show is. You know, and, and, and up until then, I, I think they let uh, both teams play pretty darn good. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, there there wasn't the that part, many. Yeah. For the most part, so you know the you know the idea, I guess, is the you know the the show is the game, you know the show is the match, the show you know the show on is, is uh, the guys on the basketball court. They're the shows, and and uh, you know I I always thought that the the best referees were the ones who didn't say anything. Right, they let you guys. I almost feel <laughs> yeah. like you and McEnroe would have almost been better calling your own lines in some of those matches than uh, than determining than, than letting the umps and in some of the lines. Yeah, judges I, do. I, I don't know about that. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. One of us would have walked <laughs> off of there. I don't know. Uh, but, uh, but that, yeah, I mean, it would, it would have been, it'd be interesting because, uh, yeah, because, you know, things happen so fast. You know, we, we talk about that all the time that, you know, could you, could you call an offsides every time? Right. Could you call a holding every time? That's if, the thing. You know, if, if you, yeah. That's the so, thing is you kind of can. Like there's multiple, there's, there's holding, there's so many different players in engaged with another player that there's like kind of holding or not holding on every play. Just a bummer. I thought uh, Hertz played great. I mean, except for the one yeah. play where he dropped the ball, you know, I was, I was, even though he lost, I was really happy that he kind of came through. I mean, three rushing touchdowns and then another touchdown, you know, and another long play to set up a touchdown. He came right back after he fumbled and scored immediately to get those points back. Um, Mahomes is just good. I mean, Mahomes on his bum ankle running down the field in that last drive or whatever it was, uh, you know, gave you, um, gave you chills a little bit, but, uh, yeah, just a bummer. He's got, he's got got plenty of time to rest now, Brett. Yep. Yeah. I think he's only 27 or 28. So he's got two rings already and plenty of years left ahead of him. You got to think him and Andy Reid aren't going anywhere. No, I, I, I was, uh, I was happy for football also. I mean that, that, uh, that they had a great game like that in, in, in two teams that, that had great records over the course of the year. And, you know, there's always that, that doubt, well, is, is this defense good enough to handle Mahomes or can, can these guys, you know, keep up or, you know, how's my, how's Mahomes? How's he feeling? Or is everybody healthy? You know, there's always doubt going into a Super Bowl. They have, they had two weeks, you know, to, to get healthy, mm. but still there's always, you know, doubt on, you know what? How it's going to turn out, or is it the game? Is it too too much for one team, or you know, or the other? Yeah. By that I mean the you know the the the, the I can't remember. I can't think of the, the condition of you um, know getting to the Super Bowl. You right. know, is is it too big of a deal for them? You know, to in, or is deal too with much all the for press them, so, and all the extra attention yeah. and the extra time and being in a different city, neutral site, all that kind of stuff. 
Right. Every, yeah. Everything goes into it. But, uh, boy, they both came out and, and, you know, I watched the the first, uh, you know, seven, eight minutes and boom, score right off the bat. Boom, scored right yeah. off the bat again. So, yeah. Yeah. And then how about uh, the Dolphins get lucky, get Tyreek Hill. He leaves the Chiefs and then watches him win the championship. <laughs> poor, poor guy. Um, but uh, oh my. I was happy oh my. for her. It's yeah, happy. It was, it happy for and, and then also, also right, you know, 22 miles away was, uh, you know, was the, the golf tournament. Scotty Scheffler, you know, regains number one, yep. you know, over over McElroy and and uh, and John Rahm. Uh, so Ron was I mean, on his that, tail. He was a few strokes back. Yeah. Local Arizona State boy was uh, knows that course well. I'm sure. Yeah, it, it's just fun to watch, you know. And, and we, as you said, we've played that course a number of times. So it, it's kind of fun knowing the hole mm-hmm. uh, and and knowing what they're doing. Like uh, uh, you know, the par five. Do you go for it in two or do you lay up? I think that's hole uh, twelve or thirteen where they go over the water. Yeah. Uh, and, and I mean, it's, and then of course, uh, what is it's whole 16 with the, the, the crazy crowd that's around it. And, you know, so trying to hit a hole in one and, and the, the excitement that, uh, yeah. 17, that, that right? Brings. The, that's like an arena they've built, they've made yeah. that into like its own, like literally it's like a stadium the way it's set up. Yeah. I mean, and, and what do they get around there? 20,000 people. It's gotta be a lot. You, did you see the, the videos of them when they, re, when they open it up in the morning at like five 30 in the morning and they release all the people waiting behind the, the fence. It's just like, yeah, it's a race. Yeah. It, it's a race to get there. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. Um, it, it pays to be in shape, son. Oh yeah. You know, even to go get the best seat, it pays to be in shape uh, or liquored up from the night before. I have a feeling <laughs> a lot of those people are just going straight for three or four days. We had a pretty yeah. epic uh, day golfing there back a long time ago with former Phoenix sun legend, Dan Marley. Do you remember that? We played, yeah, had to course. be 110 uh, degrees. Uh, I remember it being boiling hot and we played, no one else was on the course because it was so hot. So we just were going around so fast. I think we played 45 holes with Dan, Thunder Dan, baby. Yeah, yeah it was so good. Uh, it's been a long time since we've uh, run into him also. It'd be fun to run into him and say hello again, too. But uh, I remember that day well. It was, uh, you know, anytime going out and playing 45, that's, that's, <laughs> that's not bad. That's not a bad day. Right. If you can play more holes, like now, if I did that now, I, I don't know if I could take it. It's more holes than, than years I've uh, lived. But uh, <laughs> let's see. Shout out Aunt Nida, 95-year-old Aunt Nida, of course, calls 10 minutes before the game and gives me her picks. She says, give me the Chiefs for $25. Well, so mm-hmm. shout out to her. I have to send her a uh, check. She said, I can't send it, that I need to hand deliver it. That way I can come visit her and hang out and, uh, yeah. and catch up. That, that, would, that wouldn't be bad. She She'd uh, she'd love to she'd love to get the twenty five from you, but she'd love to see you even more. I know that for a fact. Definitely, I <laughs> miss her uh, and love her. And uh, yes, Scheffler's pretty good, man. He's just kind of a country guy and just ho hums it. And the same, there's like a few guys on the PGA Tour who are kind of just there every week. You know, like Scheffler for yeah, a while I, it was Cantley. I, I, liked, I liked his interview. He said that he, that he that he had. He, uh, I hate this word, but he used it a lot, so I'll use it. He he, the way he focused. And the way he refocused on, you know, his work and instead of going out there with with not, uh, you know, with not a pur- without a purpose. He every every time he went out there it was a purpose. What's it like, you know, when you're at, you know, coming down 15 and, you, and you're one shot behind or you're one shot ahead. And he was, you know, he was focusing on what it takes to put himself into that position of, of being in the uh, being in the lead like that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, to to get him i mean you've, you've seen the year he's had since uh, the masters last year mm-hmm. i think he's won five six times now yep uh and and now back at number one and uh you know fighting off mcelroy and and john rom and and uh will zalatoris is back and and uh, justin thomas and jordan spieth and you know a lot of the the really great young golfers fowler that was playing up. pretty good he had a yeah, hole in one yeah, out there Actually, it's fun to see him back a little bit. He's gone through a little, uh, mm-hmm. a little bit of struggles the last couple of years, and it, it's good to see him back playing good. He's Changed always, his swing uh, up a little. It looks good. I like the, the way he's made a few changes to his swing. Boy, uh, uh, those guys—they—they they make little bitty changes, and it just works wonders. You know, 
I wish I could find one good change, a big <laughs> change to make on mine that would work wonders. So, I make a change but, every time I swing. It's never the same yeah, two swings. So. Uh, God, isn't that the truth? Um, isn't that the truth? One other little thing that made being a Phoenix, Arizona resident and a lifelong Suns fan, even though I grew up going to Lakers games, I am a lifelong diehard Suns fan going back to Kevin Johnson and Dan Marley, Charles Barkley, all those great teams in the mid-90s. Suns mm-hmm. trade for Kevin Durant out of nowhere the day after the Mavs traded for Kyrie. So the Brooklyn mm-hmm. Nets are kind of a dumpster fire. They're just unloading everyone. No one wants to play there. So, the, so Cuban gets uh, Kyrie to play with Luka. Pretty solid mm-hmm. duo there. Suns get KD to go along with Chris Paul, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton. Uh, pretty solid wow. foursome right there. So the uh, NBA playoffs are going to have my attention more than they have in a long time, uh, as I'm going to yeah. have to become a KD fan after not being one so much these last few years uh, when he was beating us. Yeah, but isn't it interesting after after the All Star game? You know the the trades that are made and and how how uh, Durant going to Phoenix. How, you know it's going to be interesting to see the fit and how they fit and and exactly what they what they bring to the teams and, and uh, how successful they're going to be. Because if you look at both of them, uh, uh, Kyrie who went to Dallas and, and Durant who went to Phoenix, they're both stars anyway. Oh yeah. Both yeah, former they're, champions. Yeah. They're, they're already, you know, at the top and, and uh, you know, for them to, to fit in, how, how are they going to fit in with all that? Uh, and uh, that's going to be interesting to watch. And you know, if uh, both teams, recognize what they have uh, they'll they'll kind of embrace that i would think but 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 here on the other hand without letting them take over because yeah. obviously they've been pretty good you know to get to this point too so uh, right. it's just going to enhance them and uh, make them better right like it's still uh, you got to think it's still booker's team and it's still lucas team when it like you know the at the center of it the leader is going to be those guys they've been there the teams have been built around them but uh, yeah, definitely uh, l- love it because there's not a lot of big trades in the NBA. You know, like back in the old days, there would always be kind of a big trade or two every NBA deadline. And it's not like that recently. And so to see some sick talent come westward, we might have to hit Genie up and go check out a few games now. If they come to yeah, town. wouldn't that be great? But, mm-hmm. but you know, you know, another thing is I, I kind of like that, that they didn't both go to the same team, that they're on different teams. Right. Spread, you know, out, that, spread out the that, talent a little bit. Spread out the talent that, you, you know, just don't go and buy every big name, you know, for, for a year and try to win a championship that, you know, they, they spread it out a little bit and, and, you know, make it as interesting, you know, when Dallas goes in now, you know, that's going to be a big show. When oh, yeah. Phoenix goes in, it's a big show. The mm. Lakers go in, it's a big show. So it's just, uh, you know, big shows all, all around uh, the league, which, uh, you know, to me, just creates that much more interest. Yep. All right. So moving on from some sports, uh, I wanted to just say there was a sad story, a lot of them in the world, but this one just wanted to touch on because, uh, yeah, there was a huge earthquake, 7.8 earthquake mm. uh, 10 days ago yeah. or something in uh, Turkey and Syria. And uh, so just heartbreaking and 30, 36,000 people. Right. Yeah. That's that we know uh, of now probably. Right. And, and, you know, they, and that's been what, seven, eight days, eight, nine days now. And, and uh, even yesterday they were, you know, finding the, you know, some, uh, you know, some of those who were buried under all the rubble still, still alive. And, and so, uh, you know, so I guess, I guess don't, don't give up. Keep looking, you know, and, and uh, you know, hopefully that uh, there's there's more people that, uh, you know, come out of that. But, man, how devastating is that? And and just, uh, oh, it, yeah. it, it just well, I mean, you see that and, and you know, it looks like uh, there's been a war there. I mean, there has, you know, Syria's, you know, had its troubles in the past, everything uh, over the past number of years. But, you know, the earthquake has just you know, come through and just kind of leveled everything. Right. Uh, and uh, man, there are 36,000 people that we know of so far. And uh, wow, you, you see the, the devastation that has been done there and, and uh, you know, the people and you know, losing their loved ones. And you know, just, you know, you just feel for them. And right. you know, it's what, heartbreaking. I don't know. It's heartbreaking yeah. is right. I mean, I, I was talking about it to my good friend, uh, Sefer Turk, who I work with. I've been a tape producer for a long time and uh, he's he's my EVS guy. We work together. We're like a team for 10 years or something. He's from Turkey. And so he was telling me kind of, you know, a lot of the stuff and hearing stories, you know, from back home and 
what he said was really interesting is, you know, you look at it, you said, you said it, it looks like it's been a war zone, but he said that, you know, yeah, the earthquake is very damaging and dangerous and, and everything, but the reason it looks like a war zone is because all those buildings or a majority of all those buildings aren't like built to code, you know, right. the, even like the new ones, he said that, you know, there's, there's video of, of Erwan, you know, the, the president, uh, you know, a year or a couple of years ago or somewhere in the past where he's like caught on camera and like some news report, you know, bragging that, you know, that the buildings weren't built up to, up to the code, you know, essentially saying like we saved money or, or whatever it mm. is, you know? And so like the short term thinking of oh, save 10 bucks, you know, like right. might paint, you know, kick you in the ass down the road. And, you know, Sefer was just saying if all those buildings were built up to like what they are, probably the codes are in America or Europe or, or in other countries that, you know, there would still be a lot of damage and there would still be death, but it would be nowhere near 36,000. Nothing people. like that. Boy, you know, well, I guess, I guess things are going to change over there now. You know, with that. So. And it, but un, unfortunately, it takes something like this, you know, to to catch on and, and, and to catch all that uh, that's happened. And, you know, people have paid with their lives. You know, families are ruined. And uh, and, uh, you know, that now and now all of a sudden they say, well, you know, wasn't built up the code. You know, how do you handle that? <laughs> Right. Know, I I think I might be a little pissed off. I don't, I don't know, but that's just me. Right. And especially when that guy's still the president, you know, it's not like there's mm. some new guy who can be like, well, that blame it on the old and we're the new. It's like, nah, it's the same dude. And just right. the other thing is uh, just the response, how like quickly it gets like shuffled away and, and we start moving on to other topics, you know, like there's, it seems like there's certain countries when bad things happen that people are super willing to put, you know, a flag in their bio and, and a hashtag and, and to tweet and make videos uh, about it, uh, you know, and then when it's in other countries, you know, that maybe have different religions or different beliefs than you or whatever, no bio, no flag, you know, no mm -hmm. hashtag, no mention. And it's just, uh, I don't know. I don't want to get into it too much, but I just want to, no. want to give that story the uh, representation it deserves just because uh, sometimes I think a lot of these stories don't get it. So, Right. Well, you know, then and then other things happen. You know, you we, uh, it was it eight or eight or nine or ten days ago the earthquake. Uh, you know, in in Turkey and Syria, and you know the devastation there. And then you know now other things happen where there's balloons floating over the uh, the U.S. <laughs> so, right. You, well, you that, know, so that it, takes us to uh, a new segment that I'd like to to introduce to everybody. It's called "That's Above My Pay Grade." With Jimmy Connors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is above my pay grade. What's better than finding quality candidates? Finding them instantly. For a powerful hiring partner, you need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Don't spend hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all with Indeed. Hate waiting? Indeed's U.S. data shows over 80% of Indeed employees find quality candidates the moment they sponsor a job. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it does the hard work for you. Sponsor a job and boom, Instant Match shows you candidates whose resume on Indeed fit your job description immediately after you post. Join over 3 million businesses worldwide using Indeed to hire great talent fast. Indeed knows hiring needs to be cost effective when you're running your own business. Visit Indeed.com slash Connors to start hiring now. That's Indeed.com slash Connors. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing not available to everyone. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The, the way it's been covered and, and on the television and, and so forth. And now uh, there, there's so much they waited to you know, to shoot it down over the ocean after the, uh, going yeah. over the continental United States. Oh, yeah. oh and, you're talking about the, uh, the balloon. Okay. Yeah. The balloon. Yeah. Here's, so yeah. let's get into it. So, uh, 10 days ago or something, there was a, uh, a white giant balloon spotted over the country, but I think people spotted it first, drew attention to it. The uh, media and the military started noticing it. It turned out to be a Chinese, essentially what it looked like a weather balloon. I think. Mm -hmm. And they classified it a spy balloon It's gathering technology It's gathering information It's doing all this stuff as if like they don't already have like satellites in the, you know, they have satellites in space that can probably read your credit card if you have it out in front of you, you know, from space with the cameras and stuff. So it just seemed like weird that they would be doing this. This was the tech they would be using. 
and then all of a sudden that we're paying attention to it. So what did mm. you think? And then all of a sudden there was other ones. There was a, something shot over Canada, something over Montana. You know, uh, right. they waited to shoot the first one down until it was over water. People were saying, you know, don't shoot it over land. It'll land on people. But other people were saying, shoot it down so we can gather the technology from it. You know, balloon technology, you know, like put air in, it goes up. Um, <laughs> yeah, but what did but, you uh, think? You know, it, you, know, you know, what's interesting to me, though, Brad, is if it, it did come from China, it came all the way from China. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and uh, that's no short trip. Right. Or are uh, they know, being the, launched or like they launched from a, a submarine or a ship and like, do they have much rain? Who knows? But yeah, do, doesn't it know. seem weird? And I, and I, don't, I don't think we will. I, I, I don't think we will. But I, I think it's kind of uh, interesting. I've said this uh, on the pod many times. One of my favorite shows is Ancient Aliens. Mm -hmm. And and, uh, and and now uh, now all of a sudden, you know, a, the word alien is, is coming up in a lot of things. Right. You know, so UFOs. I, yeah, UFOs and uh, boy, oh boy, it, it's, uh, you know, the, the 40, 50, 60, 70 years ago in, in the 40s, you know, when Roswell happened and, and you know, the, it's been it's been kept a secret, you know, for so long about, about UFOs and aliens and so forth. And, you know, now, you know, all of a sudden we got, a, you know, this and, and now aliens, you know, 70 years later is, is uh, you know, starting to pop up. It's kind of, you know, kind of interesting. It's going to be interesting to see where it goes. And, right. and what happens if uh, if we get to know be uh, be fun to, you know, to get to know, to to be filled in, you know, as as an uh, American citizen on really what's happening, uh, you know, with the balloons and, you know, uh, where they're coming from and who's sending them and, you know, why are they here and, and so forth. And, uh, you know, so, as, you know, hopefully, you know, they they keep us posted a little bit on on uh, on just what's happening and. Uh, and, and then if it's above my pay grade, I'll tell you on the next pod. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So yeah, that's, that was, that was astonishing to me that they, the, the press, the, the government essentially came out and said the words UFOs, right? They floated that word, which really mm -hmm. just means unidentified flying object. It doesn't mean aliens. Right. It just means we don't know what it is. We don't know whose it right. is, you know? So that's, it was kind of stuck out to me. And then if, you know, if it is this, Techno alien technology that's so advanced and can do move all these different ways, like the Tic Tac one they've talked about in the past. And in that, how is it that our like, you know, Neanderthalic style of like uh, weaponry took them out so easily? Right. It just seems like, well, right. wouldn't they be able to, if they're able to get here and hide and be here all this time? And we were just able to just kind of shoot them out, take them down, no problem. I don't know. It just seems a little weird and convenient -y and, and distraction y. I'm a conspiracy kind of guy. So tell me what you think about this theory. I think February 3rd, there was a train derailment in a town called East Palestine, East Ohio. Palestine. Yep. yep. East yep. Palestine, Ohio. Yep. yep. And that was the derailment. The train actually derailed back then. This will be like two weeks from then when this comes out. And so, okay, that happens. And then a, f a couple of days ago, there was a giant explosion that happened and a, a fire that all the chemicals that were inside a lot of these train cars that they were, you know, trans transferring across the country blew up and burnt off mm -hmm. in a controlled mm -hmm. release. They called it something like a controlled release. Anytime you hear some sort of word like that made up sound, you know that there's something more behind it. So what that really meant was they uh, there was chemicals inside. They needed to get them off the track or away from the road so they didn't keep uh, posing a hazard. So I think they set them on fire. They opened them up, blew them up, set them on fire to try and burn these chemicals off as if it was just like water evaporating out of like, you know, off your tin pot on like the stove. Right. Um, that happened well, days I think, after. I think, I think they did that. They had to clear the tracks, right? They had to clear the tracks. To, well, that's what, to the, see if that's what I think they were saying is there was pressure from the company, Norfolk Southern, allegedly. Right that uh, they were pressured to just get it out of there. They wanted this stuff cleared. They dug trenches to like bury some of it in and, and blowing it up and, and all this stuff so that they could clear the track so that the commerce could keep going. So they didn't delay all these other trains with all this other stuff on it. But mm -hmm. the explosion and the fire has like, I mean, first off, no one was covering it. They were arresting journalists who were trying to report on it very early on. No one knows why. The smoke and the cloud it looked like a mushroom cloud. It looked like almost right. like a miniature 
you know, dirty gray bomb. It's like this black gray smoke billowing uh, away from this uh, explosion. Could see it from, you know, uh, airplanes. It was coming through the clouds. And uh, it's terrible for the environment. It's, uh, yeah. you know, what do you yeah, think? Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's in the air. It's in the water. You know, it, all, all that's been affected. And, and I was listening uh, on the news earlier that uh, they said, you know, the, the fallout from, you know, from the explosion and, and the smoke and everything that's, you know, falling on, you know, the land around it in people's homes. And, you know, the, the animals are getting sick. People are getting sick. And, and uh, you know, you wonder, uh, you know, who who's going to go in, you know, and, and test all that, test the air and test the water to, you know, to make sure it's safe for, you know, uh, for for the citizens of that town to be able to go back into their home. Mm-hmm. You know, who's, who's going to go test well, all that and, and, and make sure that it's safe? Well, it's supposed to be companies like uh, OSHA and NTSB, maybe even like FEMA, uh, companies like that, uh, governmental agents should come in. And yeah. do it. So there, supposedly there was over a hundred foot flames. Um, and the bad, one of the bad chemicals that everyone's worried about is something called vinyl chloride, which is used to make PVC pipes. So these bad chemicals mm. to make plastic essentially. So a bunch right. of like chemically plasticky shit got set on fire and blown up and sent into the atmosphere. Also it's leaked into the groundwater. Also it's yep. really close to the Ohio river, which, uh, 10% of the U.S. population gets their drinking water from. That sounds good. Yeah. Crazy. The biggest you leak. Know, and then, and, the and biggest, then you got also got to think what's in the air, Brett. You know, what, what is that, you know, that's floating around the air? How's that going to affect, you know, the, you know, the human body? And, and if you're breathing that air, you know, what's it going to cause? Right. Uh, and, it says and, that you know, this, the, the stuff is considered carcinogens. All, you know, all this stuff that everything, the chemical itself is a carcinogen, which is a cancer causing uh, right. chemical. Well, that's that's something that doesn't show up tomorrow. No. You know, that shows that shows up you know, 15 or 20 years down the road. Right. Uh, I, I guess. And, and uh, you know, I, I hope, you know, it's a it's another disaster, <laughs> you know, that's that's happened, you know, on, on our soil uh, mm. in the United States. And, and, you know, the you know, handle it. But, you know. Uh, I, I, I saw also on the, on the news that they had a town hall meeting, uh, about the, the wreck and the way it was handled and, and, you know, what's been going on and all that. And, and, you know, a lot of the, 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 the people that were supposed to show, uh, didn't, you know, to help answer some questions and, and, you know, kind of, I, I don't know if you can ease the mind of, of, of those who live there, but, you know, to, to talk to them and kind of explain to them what happened or whatever. I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's a crazy, you know, with the earthquake and then, you know, think things that are happening, you know, so far in these last two weeks, you know, it's almost mind boggling, right. you know, what's, uh, what's happening around, but uh, you know, hopefully, you know, we get, we, we get all this straightened out and, you know, start taking care of people and, and uh, you know, helping uh, rebuild and, and uh, you know, get, help, people get back on their feet, you know, you know, when you lose your whole family, you know, how do you ever get back on your feet? Right. You know, it makes you, it makes you wonder, but uh, you know, I, I guess, uh, I guess that's all part of it. And, and uh, you know, my heart goes out to all of them. Yeah. Supposedly um, the biggest leak of this vinyl chloride that had ever happened in a train wreck was around 25,000 pounds or gallons. I don't know. And uh, this video I watched said that estimates that around a million pounds or gallons might have leaked in this one and so yeah like i mean the people like they're already then they didn't barely clear it out like that much of room instead of like going like everyone from 50 miles or whatever should like evacuate they said like you know a couple hundred yards or it sounded like a mile or something it was like a mile give me a break give me a break did we all just watch the chernobyl documentary like two years ago and remember those people's one scene where they're all sitting there watching the the glow from like the the bridge like a mile away going like, we're probably fine. It's like, right. you know, oh boy. and so like, I don't know this one video, this guy made, it was really good. He said, the scary thing with these type of things is the narrative becomes the company who fucked up. So like Norfolk Southern will put out right. some sort of statement that'll like try and soften and dampen like the effects and how bad it is. The politicians will pick up on that because they have no clue. They're not in there. They don't know like the close up stuff. They parrot the same stuff, which then the media picks up because they're not there. They don't really know. And they just repeat it. So then it becomes this mm-hmm. like, oh, that's not that bad. Mile and you can go back. 
And this isn't even being uh, talked about on mainstream news. Like the first day no. they had Pete Buttigieg was, was at a, some sort of event. He's the U.S. Secretary of Transportation. There wasn't a, there was, the scary part is there wasn't a question. Right. There wasn't somebody who was like, this thing's going on with trains. What's going on? What should we do? What do, what do you know about it? So not even a question. So, of course, no answer, no statement right. on it. So like, it's almost like they're not trying to pay attention to it, which kind of brings me back to the old balloon and, and all this stuff up in the sky that we're all supposed to be like, hey, like, look up over here. There's like these scary things that we've never admitted to and aliens and balloons and our biggest adversary, <laughs> China. Nah, da, 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 da. <laughs> and so I don't know. Well, it just seems to, to yeah. line up with distractionville. Uh, to yeah, me. well, I mean, you know, there's a lot of distractions uh, yeah, that's, you know, from you know, we talked about it, you know, already the earthquake to the balloons, to the train to, I mean, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of distractions going on and boy, it's, you know, it's a difficult time, you know, hopefully we kind of get back on track and, and you know, this, this is just, you know, me talking because, you know, I'm, it's above your pay grade. It's, you know, you want to say, but you're right. I mean, you know, it's something that, you know, but, but it's something that I'm interested in, you know, and, and, you know, I mean, figuring, a lot of people should be, yeah, you know, that's right. I, I text you know, my... to figure out what happened and how it happened and, you know, what can you do to avoid it happening again? And, and, you know, what, what the steps are and, and instead of, you know, just saying it's almost just wiping it aside and, you know, trying to, you know, work things out and, and, and to make it so, you know, the, you know, things, things move in, in, in the better direction and, and it, this doesn't happen again. So I, I, I don't know. So, yeah, I mean, anyway, it's happened enough to where, like, I text my buddy, Brad Schaefer, who I work with uh, sometimes he's from Ohio. I was like, Hey man, I, I hope you and your family aren't close to that. Are you all right. And he's like, Oh, it's the other side of Ohio. He's like, but we were a half a mile away from the 1986 Miamisburg train derailment with lots of burning phosphorus. So it's like, it, it happens like it's happening yep. back then and still happening. And, Here's the part that I thought was nuts out of all of this. That train wasn't even classified as high hazard flammable. <laughs> no, it wasn't well. even classified as high hazard flammable, meaning like that, you know, they have to allocate and tell and probably take precautions on certain trains that do have right. highly flammable stuff. Like what? Like nuclear stuff on it, I guess has to, it has to be, but I thought that was do, nuts. Just thinking that do they, they do they know what caused the, the derailment or no? Uh, I don't know, but I think there's like a video where it's like I don't know where how far how far it is before the actual derailment, but you see it's like at night, but you see the train going by and like it, it there's like fire underneath like the rails, like the train oh. or something is like on fire like a mile or two or a couple miles, and it it just kept going until it finally derailed. Mm. So I mean, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of stuff we got to figure out, and the fact that the media is not there on the ground early trying to get as much of the actual information early with people is going to make it harder to figure it all out. Right. You know, well, hope, hopefully, hopefully they get uh, things taken care of and they kind of let it out. So the people, uh, you know, not, not only, you know, us, but uh, especially the people that, uh, that are living in that area kind of know, you know, what the next step is and what they can do to, you know, either help out or should they move out or, or what the next Probably. step is for them. But, no, nothing, nothing like, you know, uh, the worst uh, situation is being left in limbo, <laughs> you know, right. yes about. or no. Get, yeah. Yeah. Worrying about it. So yeah. hopefully and then, they get that figured those out. Those poor people, all that land, it's not like the, the values shit. You know what I mean? Like no one's going to want to buy that poor land if they want to get out of there. It's like dropped to pennies on the dollar probably. Right. And uh, the thing I thought was like interesting is they, you know, one of the press or the uh, national security state people came out and said, uh, Oh, you know, like this happened like three times during Trump, like the balloon thing, you know? And I right. think they were trying to like ha- do that as some sort of gotcha moment. Like, is it, see, like Trump didn't even know or uh, whatever they were trying to pull. I, I almost thought it had the opposite effect where, oh, so like, you know, these things are there kind of like all the time and you just chose not to even bring it up or to talk about it. So like, it didn't even become any sort of story, but then like, you know, someone yeah. notices it or whatever. and then because you, the media and everything is like kind of all like in cahoots to like focus on whatever they all focus on. Then it becomes a big story for 10 days. 
you know, well, and the same days that, you know, right around the train derailment. I just think it's uh, kind of weird. And there's obviously some weird shady shit going on everywhere. Well, hopefully <laughs> they, they come out and let us know what's going on a little bit. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So in the last, I think it's a week, a week or so, 10 days ago, we lost a really a great man and a friend for many, many years. Burt Bacharach, composer, wrote so many songs. Academy Award winner, won every award possible, you know, for his music. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid wrote many songs for Dionne Warwick. And, and I met him back in, back in the 70s uh, when, uh, when I came out to California, Brett, and was down at, uh, at La Costa with, with Poncho. And, and uh, Burr was a, a, a very, very big tennis fan and loved it. And, and so I got to spend some time with him and, and get to know him a little bit, which was, uh, which was an awful lot of fun. And uh, his career is just, you know, every time I turn on the radio, it's, uh, you know, I hear one of his songs. So I'm just uh, throwing that out there and uh, he'll be missed. And uh, his, his legacy will live on for many, many years to come. I'm sure. Yep. Uh, definitely. Uh, condolences. And then I think Bert was at Poncho's funeral. Was he not? I feel like I met him yep. at Poncho's funeral back in 2017 or 18. Uh, yes, you did. He was a very nice man. Yeah, he, he spoke at Poncho's funeral, and, and uh, I know that he loved him very much too. Yep. Yeah, he was there, and uh, you know, hearing him talk, and you know, his friendship with Poncho, and you know, I, I was lucky enough to to be around and, and to uh, hang with him a bit, and and uh, know that you know, his friendship with Poncho and just how great it was, and uh, it was for him to be there and, and to speak his uh, his words were were pretty special. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So you are alone. We can start to wrap it up here. Isabella is here, uh, ready to go for a little walkie poo as always. But uh, you're alone. Mom's on a dance, on a dance mission down south. Yep. So you got the cat yep. and uh, and Bogey, Bogey Meister. What's going on? You're yep. going to throw she, some ragers, mom's, or mom's what are you doing? At a dance competition. She's at a dance competition. Uh, she left today. She'll. It's uh, I think three or four days, and uh, she's. She's uh, or she's ready to go. She hasn't been to a competition in about four months, so she was excited about going. But yeah, I've got uh, got her little schnauzer bogey, and uh, I've taken him for a walk, and and uh, got his day in. I'm sitting here, and, and Stevie, our, our little cat, is is at the door right now, waiting to come in and and get his uh, get his dinner for the night. So yeah, it's it's, uh, it's been a good day, and you know I I, I like being home uh, alone once in a while. It's it's. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, it's fun. Yeah. I can, I can <laughs> relax and, and I can, you know, kind of do what I want and, and I take care of the animals and, you know, I, I get to cook myself some dinner and, and uh, you know, just kind of, you know, lay low for a couple of days. And to be honest with you, better after coming back from Florida, I was worn out <laughs> uh, because I go down there and, and I haven't been down there, you know, in six, eight months. So I feel like I've got to cram everything in to, to see this one and to go have dinner with this, you know, this friend and that friend. And, and so I came back and I was worn out yeah. and, and, uh, this, these couple of days, it's, uh, it's going to be good just hanging with, uh, with Stevie and bogey and, and, uh, hanging around the house and uh, just kind of enjoying my time by myself. Nice. That sounds good. Well, enjoy it. We are going to wrap up here. One thing, uh, this comes out Friday, but, uh, next week I'm producing for tennis channel along with my buddy, Ian Dunn, main producer, just got a promotion at Tennis Channel. He's the man there now, always has been. But we are producing some coverage that you can check out Monday through Friday. WTA Dubai, ATP Rio, ATP Marseille, uh, yeah, WTA Merida, uh, ATP Doha. I mean, dude, how many many tournaments are there? I want to ask you one question and then we're going to go. Do you think that's good that they have so many tournaments or or is that – depleting the competition uh i feel in some ways it's good because you know like not every tournament can be that big you know so i guess you have to give other people then more players get a chance to get into main draws and stuff like that and and more cities get tournaments which helps grow the sport and stuff like that but then there's parts of it i don't like we're like right now right now there's a mini clay season happening so in between the australian open on hard and then going to maybe two of the biggest hardcore tournaments in indian wells in miami there's this little mini clay court season where like Nori, mm. who's a really good hardcore player, uh, is, da- is playing down in Argentina in Buenos Aires at, at Guillermo Vilas Arena, which is cool. But I was like, why, right. isn't, he, why isn't he in Del Rey or why isn't he in, in, uh, in France? And it's like, I don't know, maybe you got a big uh, appearance fee, but it's just weird that like there's clay. 
you know, so these guys can mm-hmm. go kind of get points and, and get, you know, uh, practice on the surface. And then everyone else you think would be getting ready for Indian Wells in Miami. So parts of it I like, parts of it I don't. But we will be all week next week on Tennis Channel. I'm working with two of my buddies that we talked about earlier. Leif Shiras will be uh, the announcer I'm working with. And my other buddy, Jeff Chisiver, uh, will be on the call. So check us out early in the morning. I'm on the early crew. But uh, that's it. Any last words, Pops? Yep, you've got you've got a busy week ahead of you, but it's always good being with you. I'm glad to be home, and you know you take care of yourself, have some dinner, give uh, give the girls a, a hug for me, and I'll be seeing you soon. And Sounds don't good. don't forget to to follow me on uh, at Jimmy Connors on Twitter uh-huh. at ADV Connors, right at Brad underscore yep. Connors, and then at yep. your Facebook page at Jimmy Connors. You can hit yep. us up there with questions and topics. Give us some topics, uh, non-tennis, tennis, golf, everything you want. We're open to it, and uh, we'll try and get to them. So. Sounds good. All right. Look forward to being with you soon. I love See you. you soon, son. Talk to everyone. See you later. Peace.